Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, everybody. Tina here. This special episode of Wire People Into That is sponsored by Lilo, a leading brand in sex tech and pleasure. Among many other health benefits, orgasms have been proven to reduce anxiety, increase endorphins, and decrease stress levels. In a time when mental health and self-care are so crucial, Lilo is encouraging everyone to prioritize positivity and personal pleasure. Follow the link in the episode description and use the code SEXTECH, that's S-E-X-T-E-C-H for 15% off at Lilo.com. SX Noir is a self-proclaimed thought leader leading the conversation on the intersection of sex work and sex tech. She's the co-lead of the organization Women of Sex Technology. SX has created a podcast, Thought Leader Pod, in an attempt to hack the conversation on sex, love, dating, and tech. Creating more empathy in digital space is the key to intimacy. SX is from Missouri. She's very into Frank Sinatra and adult animation, and she aims to destigmatize the conversation regarding sex in digital space. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at SXNOIR, and her website is SXNOIR.com. What's up, SX? Hey, that's me. That's you. I was. We were just saying that it's funny that you have abbreviated the sex in your name to SX because I also abbreviated sex in the title of my comic book, Safe Sex, so that the title of the book is written SFSX just because it's quicker and easier to type and quicker, quicker, (laughs) Freudian slip, quick and easier to type into a search engine or use with a hashtag. It is harder for people to pronounce. I have found like, do you have people like frustrated that they like don't know how to pronounce SX Noir, even though it seems pretty straightforward? Well, yeah, it does seem to me, it seems straightforward, but I think it's also just like this active acknowledgement that it's not my real name. So I think that's more the confusion for people um, because they're like, do you really want to be called SX Noir? Like, is that really your name? And I'm like, yeah, that, that is my pseudonym uh, for privacy reasons, security reasons. Yeah. And so once you kind of get over that hurdle, I find that it's most often in non-queer spaces, non-kink spaces that people have difficulty grasping like, oh, that, oh, that's me. your name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so, it is funny when people have names where you have like plausible deniability that it's your given name and there's, there's so much like presumption and intrusion into whether people choose to use a, a pen name or a stage name or a pseudonym, which lots of people 
in lots of different industries have used for a long time. Stephen King is a pseudonym, obviously, like, you know, David Bowie had alter egos, like people do this all that, you know, St. Vincent's name is not St. Vincent, but, but it is, you know, it's the, it's the name. These are the names that we make for ourselves. And I feel like, especially in our digital age of 2020, being able to have a pseudonym in order to sort of like compartmentalize the different parts of your life and different personas as they exist online is really important for privacy and security. And then also kind of gives you this like psychic emotional boundary between who you are in more like intimate meat space when you're like not on the clock and the spotlight is not on you and you're not online versus like when you need to like switch that razzle dazzle on and you're like now I'm this now I'm this other person do you find that with your name absolutely you know I I started off my work doing sex work activism and I decided to go with the pseudonym because the work that I was doing was just so not only personal but just um stigmatized um and therefore dangerous in a way that I felt like I just needed a few levels of, of layers, right, between me and the common public. I also had some situations with the stalker and just kind of some different things where I figured, hmm, like, I like the idea of if I see you and I meet you, I share my name with you. And that's a personal thing and that's a connection that we're making. Otherwise, um, I go by SX Noir in every space, digitally and physically. And you're right, it is kind of this kind of superhero kind of persona thing where you are stepping into a character. You are stepping into, um, not a character per se, but just um, like you said, it's showbiz, right? Like when you get on stage. It's a a facet of your personality. You're drawing from the raw material of who you really are. And I feel like because we're going to be talking a lot about sexual technology today, and, and that's like what you specialize in, it's funny to me that people have a hard time wrapping their minds around the fact that sex workers choose to do this but because I feel like actually everybody does it now but we're just like more aware of it (laughs) like everybody uses a facet of their personality in their social media even if their social media is not explicitly designed to market something that benefits them? Yeah, um, this is, you know, a great conversation about the difference between, you know, privacy, security, and the difference between anonymity and being private. And so mm. everyone who navigates digital space in some way is is navigating their identity. The same in physical space. But in physical space, the threats that you see, the things that you need to protect yourself from, can be a bit more, uh, for lack of better words, seen. Um, and in digital space, it is, it is much different different, right? Um, I did an interview with the, I'm producing a documentary called Corona Thoughts, where we're navigating how the sex industry is impacting, um, is impacted by COVID-19. And I I interviewed a stripper and, you know, I was asking her what the difference between working at the physical strip club is and doing OnlyFans work, you know, and her answer Mm -hmm. was just like, and what the difference is privacy and security is. And her answer is, you know, one day she was leaving the club, one of the strip club in some strip club in Midtown. And there was a client who was, like, waiting for her. And when she got around the corner, he, like, had somehow did it in such a way that he kind of pushed her into this taxi cab. And when she was in this taxi cab, she was like, hey... I shouldn't be here. I don't want to be here. This person is not Mm. someone that I have agreed to be with at this moment, right? And in that moment, Mm. the taxi driver said, okay, yeah, 
you know, she got out, right? And that situation yeah. was um, thankfully, thankfully de-escalated. But in digital space, that's not the same. And so she kind of explained it that there's always someone kind of lurking around the corner, but you can't see them. And so the privacy and security that you take, the measures you have to take um, are different in digital space. And so I think that everyone who navigates digital space has somewhat um, of an understanding of what they would like to keep private and what they would like to you know, be publicly acknowledged. And so this is difficult for femmes because femmes are unfortunately targeted and abused and harassed more than any one else in digital space and it's unfortunate that just simply identifying as a femme and identifying with a a female energy right is Mm. reason to be harassed and and abused in digital space i'm so glad that you brought that up because i feel like i've heard the argument that it's safer online because you can just block people or you could just kick them out of the chat room and obviously you could talk about a situation where being able to block someone or just like erase their presence from the digital space that you are occupying is more straightforward than being able to physically erase like someone whose like physical presence is who is threatening you with their physical presence and like doing something like forcing you into a taxi cab which is terrifying and I'm really glad that that person got out of that situation and that that driver supported them and help them to de-escalate it but in some cases the surveillance is more insidious in digital spaces and the stalking is more is more insidious and like you can block someone on one platform but then they can just like keep fucking popping up like an evil fucking whack-a-mole oh it's absolutely insidious and you're and it's designed to be that way it's designed to be that way and this is why we practice you know harm reduction tactics and all these different things but to say that digital space is safer than physical space i think is a cop-out totally i remember watching the government briefing with Ashton Kutcher Mm, oh god with the AI company and he goes well if you don't have anything to hide then why do you need you know why are you being so secretive you know if you don't have any if you're not doing anything bad why can't we see everything you're doing and so I think that fuck him fuck that exactly and so I just think that it's kind of this idea of like the same people who aren't perceived to have the the right to um, security and privacy are the same people who aren't seen as people to have the right in digital space. Ashton Kutcher is an example of a contemporary celebrity who is has taken on you know being anti sex trafficking as his like pet you know philanthropic cause and you know we don't we don't have to get into it because uh, we have so much else to talk about but just as an example of somebody who you know, is using their celebrity to perpetuate carceral feminism is just like so fucking tired. So, okay, of course we got into all of this stuff just talking about your name. <laughs> so let's segue into, into some of our other topics. First of all, before I say anything else, I really want to put out there that I really appreciate that Lilo, the pleasure product company, uh, is sponsoring this episode at sort of a more like special episode style than a lot of my other sponsorships in the past. And, you know, everything has been turned upside down for folks like you and me who are, you know, freelancers in the world of sexuality and technology and, you know, the, 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 the economy right now. That's enough said, right? Like everybody knows what I'm fucking talking about. So I really appreciate that Lilo 
specifically reached out to me to sponsor a special episode of the show. And when they asked what I wanted to do, I was like, I want to have a black woman who is in sex tech as a guest on the show. I want to talk about Black Lives Matter. I want to talk about how Black Lives Matter intersects with sex positivity. And I want to talk about how everything that is going on with this civil rights movement is intersecting with the reality of COVID and what all of that means for intimacy and pleasure and connection. And they were like, absolutely have the conversation that you want to have. We'll sponsor it. So, you know, I'm, I just really want to be very transparent that that's how this transaction went down. And, you know, luckily Lilo is a company that makes sex toy products that I have always really admired. I think that they are really well designed. And I think that it is actually really important, not for everyone, but for a lot of people that like your pleasure products are fucking cute because you're fucking them. And we like to fuck cute people. So it makes sense that we would want to fuck cute things, right? Especially if the presence of like sex toys and other pleasure products, whether it's integrated into your solo play self-care life or your partnered sex life or your sex work life, good sustainable design I think is really important and that aesthetics are really underrated when it comes to these things. And I feel like Lilo has always really prioritized that and I appreciate that about them. And I feel like they're the kind of product that is a higher price point not just for superficial reasons either. That like it's not just on the surface. Like their toys are mostly rechargeable and like durable and they just are going to like last you longer. So it's like an investment in pleasure. I've always felt that way about their products. So I'm, I'm happy to have them as a sponsor of the show. And I was mentioning this to you and you were saying that you've felt much the same way about Lilo in the past. Oh yeah. Lilo was like one of my first toys ever. I took a trip to um, Australia with one of my partners and he was very gung-ho on getting a Lilo toy. And so I have a nice piece. It vibrates and it kind of has a motion, like an in and out motion that's very nice. And it's purple and it's cute and it's rechargeable. And I really love rechargeable um, pleasure products because they're better not only for the environment, but like you just don't have to worry about um, batteries or any of that. And the pleasure just keeps going. That's actually a really good point that as opposed to a lot of other vibrators that might be much more affordable, which if that's what works for you and that's what you want to get, I like, I'm just certainly not going to tell anybody like, don't get a like $5 or $15 like vibrating egg, go for it. But if you have the ability to like save and budget or invest in a nicer product it's also it's like we talk about with fast fashion right like it's better for for the environment not only because you're not like going through a ton of batteries but also like you're not eventually going to get to the point where your like jelly plastic vibrator just like totally dies and can never like (laughs) vibrate again and then there's like no real way to recycle it or it's like very challenging to recycle it and so it just like ends up in a landfill so getting something that's going to last you a long time is not only good for your wallet it's also good for the earth you know and investing in yourself is something beautiful and i love that lilo gives you the the very range of of options to invest in which i'm sure we'll get into later yes so all of that being said the first thing that i want to ask you about is the 
Black Sex Worker Liberation March. I wish I could have been there. Tell me all about planning it and then what it was like and what the response has been since. I mean, it's just been like exploding on my timeline and just feels like a really monumental moment for sex worker rights and also for like bringing sex work politics to Black Lives Matter. So I was one of the co-organizers of the Black Sex Worker, the first um, Black Sex Worker Liberation March and Vigil. We organized this march pretty quickly, August 1st. Mm -hmm. And so we, we took about two weeks to plan it, which tends to happen with these actions. You know, the thing about organizing around COVID-19 and also Black Lives Matter is that this isn't some... It is a celebration. I believe that uh, sex workers bring celebrations of liberation, but I, I do think that it's, oh, yeah. it's different than planning, for example, how we have our International Whores Day. On June 2nd, we were supposed to have a takeover of Times Square for International Whores Day, right. Kink yes. Out, and some other um, organizers, and it was supposed to be freaking amazing, right? And of course, right. because of COVID-19, we weren't able to do it. And so the, the beautiful thing of the actions that are taking place right now is that there is no, you just have to do it. You know, uh, the state, the city of yeah. New York is not issuing permits to, uh, to congregate, you know, um, it is yeah. coronavirus, you know, people are practicing social distancing, wearing masks, sanitizer, all these things. And so the beauty of the Black Lives Matter movement is we've been able to just continue with our work and throw these big actions that are political movements. I love a party more than anything, but <laughs> I also love a political action. And so that was what was unique about this march in specific as far as sex worker rights and the intersection with Black Lives Matter is that there hasn't been a march that's exclusively for sex workers. And I believe that the Black Lives Matter movement could more actively include the sex worker rights movement. And so, totally. yeah, and so, you know, the liberation is the act of setting someone free from imprisonment, slavery, or oppression. And so I believe that right now that this resonated with people more than ever. And it was an impactful totally. action. And we pushed out demands of decriminalization of sex work. Um, and the decriminalization of sex work in New York City is a very strong movement. And it is basically taking away all the criminal um, actions that are made against sex workers. Um, so mm -hmm. the walking while trans ban, for example, simply profiling a transgender person um, as a sex worker um, and arresting them and treating them as criminals, you know, these, these very basic things. So some of our demands um, of the Black Sex Worker Liberation March and Vigil was the repeal of walking while trans ban, um, the repeal of FOSTA-SESTA. Um, FOSTA-SESTA was legislation that was passed in 2019, um, 2018, golly. Um, that was incredibly, know, know. God, you know, I'm like, what is time? Um, that was incredibly <laughs> detrimental to the sex industry as a whole in digital space. Um, it was a bill that was passed to end um, online sex trafficking, but in reality, it just attacked any um, aspect of sexuality that exists in digital space. And that includes sex totally. work, that includes education, that includes all these things. Um, and also an end to all legislation that considers sex workers as unintended consequences or collateral damage, such as the Earn It Act that just passed the Senate Judiciary Committee. Um, the Earn It Act is absolutely Ooh. wild. Yeah, uh, the Earn It Act um, is a bill that's being attempted to pass that would basically put uh, 19 cis white men in charge of the, the, the practices of the internet for the entire United States. Um, this is again being used um, as a psychological method to end um, child sexual exploitation material. Um, there is no such thing as child pornography because pornography is between two consenting adults. Mm. 
you know, once again, sex is being used as a psychological method to impede our privacy and security um, and, our, and to, you know, impact our free speech here in America. And so uh, we are asking for the end of all legislation, right, that considers sex workers as collateral damage. And so the Earn It Act is important because it is an attempt to end encryption. And so encryption is a very important element within technology and communication uh, because it allows for you to maintain the privacy with your messaging. Uh, the best example of this is um, if you have WhatsApp. Um, right, or Signal. Or Signal or these different messaging apps, which I have an amazing OPSEC guide, an operational security guide on my link tree and my bio at sxnoir.com by an amazing um, writer called Anna and um, Hacking Hustling. We need end encryption. We need it for, for organizing, for um, you know talking mm-hmm. to clients, for just simply the privacy of conversations. And so if I am DMing someone on Twitter, for example, that is not encrypted. Totally. Even the name direct messaging, people are thinking it's like sort of designed to make you feel like it's private, but actually the tech platforms can access that information anytime they want. And so much of this legislature is about making it about giving the government the right to look at all of that data whenever they want. And when we're talking about anything that is stigmatized or criminalized, it is really important to be able to discuss those things with the assurance that it is not accessible by the state. Like we deserve to have that privacy, especially since like so much of our communication is happening online and we just like take for granted like what we think is public versus what can be exposed or what could be used against us and we just have to acknowledge that privacy is a is a right it is not a privilege it is not a privilege um only given to some um and so that is why we are you know asking for the end of legislation like earn it act we also our last demand is to end further discrimination of sex work on digital platforms during the COVID 19 pandemic um, which eliminates another necessary source of income to survive so uh, as you know sex workers are actively shadow banned kicked off Mm. you know accounts deleted from many many different platforms of social financial and emotional upward mobility and so we just asked for the end of that discrimination um so that was the march um we marched in times square well, tell me about what it was like to be in that moment marching in times square especially being surrounded by so many so much of your community so many friends and comrades and coworkers and loved ones. I mean, I've seen the pictures, people are wearing masks, people are obviously at this point, like very used to making risk aware assessments when it comes to being in physical spaces of public protest. What was it like to, you know, emerge from so much isolation into this physical space, a place that is usually so crowded with people. I mean, it just, uh, like, I can't imagine what that must have been like. Tell us about it. It was powerful. You know, I really, I was organizing this with T.S. Candy of Black Trans Nation and the lead organizer for Walking While Trans Ban, and also the Giselle Marie, who is the founder of the New York Stripper Strike, and now the Sex Worker Relief Fund um, that is attempting to raise a $1 million GoFundMe to help, um, you know, relief for Black sex workers during COVID. I have donated. I encourage all of my my listeners to donate what's the best way to search for it it's black sw uh relief and if you go to black sex worker liberation.com 
it is on the donate page right there front and center so wonderful a very worthy cause for people to donate to right now 100 percent. and so we kind of organized this as a, as a boost you know to boost the gofundme and to just bring to the forefront the the specific needs of black sex workers um and and we didn't say black women sex workers black sex workers as a whole right all black sex worker lives matter and so oh yeah it was powerful because this was not just a moment. This is a movement. This is not just a, a day to show up in red and, and to be cute. It was a day to show up and to look at our friends, look at our neighbors, look at our allies and go, okay, so I see you were showing up for black sex worker lives. Because we know for a fact that within the Black Lives Matter movement and these different marches for George Floyd and all these things, there is extreme mm. massage manar that goes on within these these organizing and, and, and in these events. And so it was important for us to hold yes. space for our movement that we've been working so hard on and the decriminalization of sex work that's been going on for a, a long time now. We just wanted to make it clear, like just because it's COVID, we're still here. Can you define massage noir? Massage noir is misogyny directed towards Black women where race and gender play both roles in bias. So it is the very specific um, sexist energy that's given toward Black women. We can't ignore that fact that it exists within the movement. We can't ignore the fact that Breonna Taylor got not as much attention or, or love or consideration as George Floyd did. And so we have totally. to acknowledge that Black women are, are treated as less important than Black men. And so this is something that we're, we're consistently fighting for, and that's why it was important that black sex workers had their moment. And like I said, it was very inclusive. It wasn't just about women, but it was important to understand, you know, how femmes have to, to navigate capitalism and surviving in this, this economy and how, you know, we're here. And so there was a really beautiful moment. We, we stood up right in front of Times Square in front of the Red Steps. Um, and there was this really big sign. I, I believe John Lewis had, had just passed away. Oh, yes. There was a sign that said, never lose that sense of hope. And mm. so here you are having all these black sex workers, you know, standing up, taking over Times Square, which historically has been a place of extreme criminalization, extreme, you know, just harassment from police and all these different things and oppression. And you're sitting there, I'm, si I'm standing up in front of hundreds of people speaking my truth about, you know, um, sex worker rights, sex technology. And behind me, it says, never lose that sense of hope by John Lewis, someone who, who led this country's um, civil rights movement, right? And so we just felt like a really beautiful intersection and, and, and we marched, we kept the march very tight, um, but it was, it was beautiful and impactful. And it was something I'll probably never forget in my lifetime. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. And thank you to all of the organizers and everyone who showed up for that and supported that march and continues because we have to keep these conversations continuing. We cannot allow like these big spikes of attention to marches and protests and outrage than just kind of like blend into the background and like allow people to become complacent and think like oh it's like not a big deal anymore and the fact that blacksexworkerliberation.com is a continued hub and resource both for black sex workers and then also everyone else in the world who needs to be educated needs to be informed and needs to understand what are the things that black sex workers are specifically calling for politically, socially, culturally, and then 
also like where to fucking throw money at that movement because that is extremely important because especially in a time when it when our ability to make money has been compromised in so many different ways um but also because of wage discrimination we need to give the people who need this money the resources that they need movement work grassroots organizing that shit is a lot of hard work and it is draining and whatever people are using the money for in that movement whether it is food for organizers or web development or whatever it is anyway i'm going on and on and on now give them your money is what i'm saying (laughs) we raise a production fund for the march which is also still ongoing i think it probably will be when this episode comes out and it was important for me to raise the money for the production because i busted my ass to do this and also understanding that if we are active believers that this is a movement not a moment it takes ongoing work which i shouldn't have to do for free and and that was something that i i went to a teach-in, I, I helped facilitate a teach-in on decriminalization of sex work. And Kate Zinn, the um, a co-founder of the Red Canary Song, which is a, an organization that helps Asian American migrant women, um, specifically sex workers, um, with relief and mutual love aid. Love them. Yes, so love Red Canary Song. And, you know, Kate gets up and they go, it's an okay to have a personal interest in your activism. It's okay to have a self-interest in the outcome of your activism. And I thought that was something beautiful because we as as femmes are just told to not have personal interest in things, <laughs> to not have, um, you know, a, a personal agenda within movements. And I think that it's absolutely okay to have a, a personal interest, you know, a self-interest in the outcome of certain things. And so with this movement, I, I did raise funds for it because I figured I'd be doing this work for months. And how else am I gonna be paid and to eat, you know? And I, I realized that my community said, okay, I don't think you should do this for free. I think you should be able to eat and we're gonna give you money to do so. And so it was a really powerful moment for me because I've never really crowdfunded or raised money to do my activism work at all. I I do it for, I don't say I do it for free because I do it for my community and for my people, Um, Mm. but I do it without payment. I don't get paid to do any of the sex worker activism stuff. And so um, it's been an an extreme personal journey for me balancing my work life and my personal life because activism has a tricky fucking way of just intersecting on every personal business, (laughs) you know, political decision (laughs) you have. And so it takes a lot of, you know, self-connection to navigate it. Well, thank you for speaking on that. I feel like something really beautiful that we have seen in 2020, both because of the COVID-19 crisis all over the world, and then also because of the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement, something that I am seeing gain more and more widespread understanding and acceptance and participation is mutual aid and mutual care. And these are models that have existed in grassroots organizing for many, many decades, probably I'm not even educated enough on how they've been going on for centuries or maybe even the, you know, for all of human history. And I think that even though this moment has so many stressors and so much uncertainty and so much grief on so many levels, there's so much to mourn right now. There's so much that we've lost, a lot of things that we will never get back not only lives, but also 
ways of life. But I really, I do think that it has galvanized people to understand that, like, as many people have been writing about lately, that, like, the language of war and the the language of incarceration and, like, punitive approaches are not going to get us to where we need to be as a fucking species and as a civilization, that, like, the way out is through care and like because we're still in a capitalist society right now like care can come in the form of cash and just giving people cash and being like we respect you to use it to buy a pizza or use it to buy equipment or use it for travel or use it for whatever you need in order to make these movements happen i feel like people understand the connection between those things much, much better than they used to even a year ago. You know, sex workers are the experts of mutual aid. (laughs) Dude, totally, exactly. And that's where we need to be looking for solutions on how we're going to get through all of this. And I think this is, you know, just a perfect example of how people are looking to sex workers for solutions because they're going, oh shit, you have been doing this for a while. You know, when this, when the COVID happened, we had structures in place to get to our most marginalized people, as in we as in the sex working community, had structures in place totally. to get to those marginalized people, rather than the civilians were running around with like chickens with their head cut off because they're going, holy shit, I've never had to be empathetic or compassionate towards someone else's shortcomings because I have had very few myself. And, you know, so when I, when I think about what this, what this time is doing is it's making people look at sex worker rights deeper than ever because for the first time in a long time people are have more in common I've I've said this many times you have more in common with a sex worker than a billionaire I guarantee it I Mm. know you do Mm. and the the issues of being criminalized for poverty is now coming to the forefront more than ever because people are experiencing poverty unemployment housing insecurity health insecurity financial insecurity more than they have before and also like what it takes what it takes to be in that position and to navigate these fucking broken systems and infrastructures that are supposed to benefit people who are down on their luck now all of a sudden people are knowing what it's like to wait in incredibly long lines try to use technology that is like woefully outdated and confusing in order to just like get the like basics of government support that they thought that they would be able to get like that supposedly the society that we have set up says that it is going to provide to their citizens and now all of a sudden it's like a lot of people who have never experienced that before are experiencing it firsthand i wish that people didn't have to experience it firsthand in order to have empathy for what other people's struggles are but you know what if it's happening i'll take it for now hopefully people can like extend can extend that empathy and like you know once they like sleep off the hangover of this whenever how many years from now that is like hopefully it will have like made like a change that sticks i mean i i absolutely hope so and i think that you know sex work is an informal aspect of labor um and so people are now understanding upward mobility under capitalism more than ever before and so when we talk about the sex trade it's important to understand the sex trade is an all-encompassing thing and and there's a reason why activists use the word sex trade at times rather than sex work because sex trade embodies many of the aspects um of trading sex yeah 
just a quick little bit about that. You know, the sex trade is the word that activism activists use, and it's because it involves the concept of choice, coercion, and um, circumstance. So mm -hmm. when you are trading sex, um, it can be for choice, which is what we all want, right? You are actively deciding to engage in this work, which is why we have, you know, labor protections, etc. Jessica Ramos, um, one of our New York State senators, spoke speaks actively about just like the labor intersections of sex work, right? And poverty and, and, and street-based work. Um, and then we also have um, circumstance, right? So this is somewhat the most... Um, socially sociably acceptable way to engage in the sex trade so this is the stripper who's stripping to get through college trope right so it's the idea right. that if you are experienced you need upward mobility financial upward mobility um a bit mm. faster than the typical way that's offered to us under capitalism um sex work is something that you can do to have that upward mobility right and so we tend to have less stigma around that conversation because we say oh well the world is hard. Of course, you you know you should you should trade sex. Yeah, or that's very like the myth of the American dream of like, well, like if you see an opportunity to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, then like you know that's something that we like want to support. And even if you got to get your hands dirty to do it, like if what you you know are pursuing is your like manifest destiny, then like you know as long as eventually you like have a redemption arc and you get your hands clean and you like leave that behind then then you you know and also who gets to have that social mobility and upward mobility is like also very dubious it is and, and i love the way that you use you know this redemption arc because you're absolutely right this circumstance does tend to have this insinuation that it's circumstantial so it will at some point come to an end right at one point, you'll go back to being a good girl. Again. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so then the last one, the one that we all do not want is coercion. Right. Sex workers are absolutely against sex trafficking. Um, and sex, work sex workers are against the coercion of the sex trade. And so coercion is what most people believe um, when they think about sex trafficking. Right. So um, and my biggest point I like to make is that capitalism is also coercion. I'll, so true. I'll say that again. Capitalism is also coercion. Capitalism can be the coercion that ends, that leads you into the sex trade. And this is something that people don't like to acknowledge and don't like to 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 talk about when they speak about um, the sex trade and the intersection with sex trafficking. Um, and so we, we use the sex trade as, as that kind of umbrella term because as you can see, it embodies a lot and it embodies the many different elements of the many intersections of being black, of being, you know, non-binary, being trans, being an immigrant, you know, being social, social, um, economically low status, right? It embodies all these things. And so um, that's what we like to use that better helps people understand, well, what's the difference between sex work, sex trafficking, um, etc. Well, thank you so much for speaking to all of that. I am, oh, I'm just so excited to be finally talking to you about all of this stuff and bringing this conversation to the show. Not to be too cutesy about it, but it also does occur to me that like, you know, going back to the idea of the importance of self-care and pleasure, like, while we are getting through all of these different kinds of struggles, I also feel like if we are practicing mutual care and mutual aid, people need to eat, people need housing, but also there's a reason that people have wish lists and things that they want that also are help them to not just survive, but thrive. And so I feel like 
now would be a really good time if you have the means to gift a sex worker a really nice Lilo product. And you can get 15% off when you do that by going to lelo.com, that's lelo.com, and using the code SEXTECH. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You are the co-lead of an organization called Women of Sex Technology. And I really just kind of want to ask you about the general topic of sex tech that has always been, as long as I've known you, a really, really important part of your brand, your, your, your activism, your art, the media that you make and what you do. And I am really curious... Why do you think that sex tech is so important and and what do you think people should know about what it means not only just like as a descriptor of like sexual technology but what it means for there to be an entire organization devoted to women who are working in this field? One, you can listen to my podcast where I talk to industry leaders, thought leaders about the navigation of sex, love, and technology. And so the very quick answer of what is sex tech is any um, technology that enhances the human experience of sexuality, which seems very, very large, right? Because it is. And so I like to give an example that it is a um, horizontal and then a vertical elements to this, right? Intersections. Mm. Vertically, we have physical and digital space. So we have to acknowledge that we exist in two different realms now, um, more than any generation ever has before. Uh, we are expected to live, thrive, and, and be good citizens in both digital and physical space, right? So the physical yeah. element of toys, um, we can think about Lilo, for example. So a anal beads, vibrators, tail, uh, masculine toys, all these different uh, masculine masturbators, um, clitoral stimulators, all these different, for example, toys that Lilo has are physical things, right? These are, I can touch them, I pick them up, I turn them on, I can see them, you know, these are things that are um, physically um, um, helping my sexuality, right? And then we have digital space, which is something that we can't necessarily see, but it's there, right? So digital space would include dating apps, like, you know, social media. Um, it would include kind of any navigation of digital components that navigate your sexuality. And then we have horizontally, so we have the arts and entertainment, education, business, and tech, right? These are the many intersections that go against physical and digital space. Perfect example of this would be in vitro, um, fertility treatment for uh, people with vaginas. So for example, I could go on to Planned Parenthood Direct, a um, telemedicine element that they use for birth control, and I can go on this app and I can order my birth control boom that's great um but then the actual birth control and the actual navigation of that is the physical element that you're that you're dealing with right so mm. a lot of sex tech has physical and digital elements but we must uh understand the fact that those two are distinctively different and have 
distinct impacts. So when we speak mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. what that means to be a femme in that space, we have unique needs that uh, as of now, the sex tech industry does not acknowledge. And so with the women of sex technology, we have such a strong group of amazing femmes. We want it to be a space that we can navigate the many intricacies that it means to be a femme identifying person in digital space and also physical space while trying to raise funds, while trying to build community, while trying to do all of this in an incredibly sex negative world that we currently live in. Um, And so our goal is to bring people together through membership, also facilitate studies, and we are also raising money. So if you are listening to this right now, uh, the Women of Sex Tech is raising funds for our first round. Where do sex toys fit into this grid of sex tech? Toys like Lilo products would fit into the sex tech realm in regards to um, entertainment and technology uh, on the physical side, right? So sex toys are amazing. And one thing we have to acknowledge that there is a difference between sex toys and sex tech. And, Mm. you know, sex toys are are used for pleasure, are used for wellness um, and have a very distinct purpose, of course. And and they're amazing. Right now, we see a lot of vibrators typically because we as humans are like, I want the quickest, fastest way to get off. And we know that um, quick vibrations to a um, androgynous zone is a really fun and pleasurable experience, right? Yeah. But uh, we also have to acknowledge the different kind of um, sex technology that we um, navigate like every day. Let's talk about the importance of sex tech in COVID times, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like something that we have all had to like cobble together from the what we had in our homes and the knowledge that we already had and then all of the confusing and sometimes contradictory messages that we are figuring out in fucking real time online about how we are going to get through this for the... And I think we're we are at the point now in America, five months into quarantine, like this is our lives for the foreseeable future. And anybody that's like still in denial about that, like needs to get with the fucking program. Even though in some ways it feels like we're living in this like nightmare version of the thing that so many people have been alarmed by as like the end game of digital technology that we will like all be alienated from each other and we won't be able to touch each other well guess what everybody like nature intervened and like made it so it's not safe for us to get together at sweaty dance parties it's not safe for us to just go on a date with a stranger even more so in like even new ways than it than it was before. There are so many risks that are riskier now than they ever were before in COVID times. And it's going to be this way for the foreseeable future. So what technology exists that we can use to heal from how difficult and alienating this has been and continues to be how what like new and innovative ways can we use technology to get our human needs met that we are feeling so bereft of right now how can we use technology to connect with people on an intellectual and emotional level how can we use it to meet new people and have that sort of novel stimulation how can we use it to connect with our loved ones that we can't 
be that we can't travel to and be near or that we might live in the same town with but we can't exist in the same space with that that we always have you know what what are some ways that you feel as a sex tech expert that we can use different forms of sexual technology to help us not only survive but thrive these really difficult times first i like to just bring up that technology is an aspect that is supposed to enhance the human experience um, I think that sometimes we use technology and we think it's supposed to be this convenient, quick, easier thing. And that's not always the case. It's supposed to enhance the human experience, not make it more convenient or better, right? Or in that kind of way. Like ever since I got a dishwasher, I am like not convinced it makes my life more convenient. So just as an example. The old cartoon of Jetsons, you know, they thought, oh, if you just make everything easier, life is better and that's not necessarily true inherently and so when we make human-based technology I, I like to just emphasize that it's not about a hack it's not about a quick fix to intimacy or connection because intimacy and connection is hard work digital or physical space and it involves it has to involve risk and danger and you can mitigate that risk and try to create a world where there's less danger. But that's why we say safer sex now instead of safe sex. And we talk about safer spaces instead of safe spaces. And this is what the whole idea of harm reduction is that if we can be aware of what harms are out there and we can actually educate people about what they are and then empower people to make their own choices and also take responsibility for the consequences of everything that they try and like sex in particular is just not as interesting without risk which is why so many people make so many foolish decisions both around you know the physical and emotional aspects of sexuality you know life is messy sex is messy exactly we're more touch deprived than ever you know we are Yes. Humans are seeking connection and intimacy in digital space now more than ever. A once taboo idea connecting in digital space is now the norm. You know, I believe empathy is the key to intimacy in digital space and empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. We need more of that consideration in digital space rather than the splitting, you know, of our realities. And sex workers have historically influenced the internet as far as pleasure and companionship. And I hope the future includes more tech equity for femmes in digital space because mm. femmes have um, historically done that emotional labor in both physical and digital space, but have not seen not only their redistribution of the wealth, but just simply the acknowledgement of it as, as well. And I think that we're we're understanding what the importance of companionship is because we are being lacked and deprived of, of physical touch and we're disassociating and we're disconnecting and so we really need to um, practice radical empathy um, in regards to connecting to each other because people are very self-centered and individualistic when they when it comes to digital space and we have to be more thinking of other people first you know my other my other thing of you know how are we what can you do? What's what's the, the sex tech expert tip um, is, you know, yeah. everyone, everyone comes to something. Everyone like everyone has an orgasm, comes, ejaculates, fizzes, jizzes to something. Right. <laughs> Contracts, undulates, you know, all, all those things. Just like there's no such thing as an algorithm without bias. Mm. There is no such thing as an orgasm without bias. We come to that's that's fascinating. You know, we come to what brings us pleasure. So what the hell do you come to when the world is ending? Knowing that one thing gets you off is the one thing that we have control over right now. It seems like, you know, the what knowing what brings you pleasure is the one thing during the COVID-19 pandemic that we have. And sex technology is closing that gap for a lot of people. 
Uh, and so that that's the one thing that I can I can say is just have an orgasm and see 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 the many layers of, of that thought process that got you there and what you're coming to because whatever you're coming to is is going to be more uh, insightful to the truth of who you are and what you need than anything else. Oh my God, I love the idea that what you are coming to is giving you insight into the truth. That is brilliant. I do want to bring up a couple of toys that Lilo sells that can be used to use technology to create connections between partners that are not necessarily in the same space. So people have probably heard of the concept of remote control vibrators before. And what you may or may not know is that companies like Lilo are making really, really sophisticated versions of this technology where the remote control access can work from very far away and can actually even be integrated into an app on your phone, which is something that I think people are always really tickled by. And the idea that you can like, whip out your phone and like press a button and a vibrating toy that you know maybe is pressed up against or inside your partner's genitals or butthole or just like in their underwear or whatever like starts buzzing or maybe it like starts buzzing on the bedside table and you're like okay this is like an instruction or a seduction that I should be like putting this like on my body right now because my this is like a way of using technology to like express desire or to like give and receive pleasure. So there are two toys that I want to recommend from Lilo. One is called the Tiani. That's T-I-A-N-I. And it basically is like if you if you make like a little C shape with your hand, it is a toy that both that can fit in any hole on a body where there's an outside part that perhaps on some anatomy can be pressed against the clitoris or the nerve endings on the outside of the body. And then there's also a part that fits on the inside of the body, maybe pressed up against the G spot or the prostate. And then it comes with a remote control. So this is a way that you can play with sex toys with your partner, even if you are not currently in a position to touch your partner, which I think is a really exciting thing for people to be able to explore right now. And then another toy that Lilo sells that is really similar and, and comes with a remote control is the Bruno. So this is actually specifically designed for anal play and, um, definitely like has a, a design that I feel really impressed by. It's a butt plug in the sense that you it's an insertable that will like stay in once inserted and has a flared base, which every anal toy should. And then it also is curved for anatomy. Both of these toys are made of silicone, which makes them easy to use with different partners and also really easy to wash. And I just really like the idea of being able to eroticize the distance between yourself and your partner instead of seeing it as a barrier or a hindrance, seeing it as an opportunity to explore things that you never knew that you could enjoy. And of course, this also could be something that could be really a, like a fun new way to play with your partner, even if you are able to be in the same space with them. If you're quarantined with them, if you are getting tested and traveling as safely as possible in order to 
visit with someone, you know, and you really want to have something novel and new and exciting, I think that these toys or anything else from the Lilo website are a really good opportunity for that. And just a reminder, if you want 15% off on anything that Lilo sells on their website, except for already discounted products, I should note, then you can use, you can go to Lilo.com and you can use the promo code SEXTECH, that's S-E-X-T-E-C-H, for 15% off your order. Did you know that the Bluetooth technology around sex tech is called teledeldonics? Similar to the concept of telemedicine, <laughs> but it is a virtual way to share connection. And guess what's really fun to integrate that with? Gaming, okay? <laughs> the future of sex tech is teledeldonics and gaming. And so, you know, I don't know, maybe just get a... Uh, uh, I heard there's an amazing comic book that's out. Maybe there's a fun game to play every time you see someone's, you know, getting stomped on or something and you vibrate a little bit and have a little bit of pleasure. Um, You know, think of some different uh, untraditional ways um, to have fun with distance and vibration. I like this idea because when you said gaming, I was thinking about like like video gaming and, and, you know, uh, online games, which uh, of course are um, something that are, that is a really important part of self-care for a lot of folks right now, just being able to like engage in a a game that kind of like takes your mind off everything else that's happening in the world and can also be a way to connect with other people if you're able to play with people virtually. But I also kind of like the idea of like, like you were mentioning Safe Sex, my comic book, giving someone an assignment from really far away that like every time you see a boot in Safe Sex, which by the way, uh, there's a lot of boots in my comic book series. That's literally what I was thinking of, a boot, yes. Giving your long distance partner a an assignment that like while they're reading the book, anytime they're they anytime they see a boot or anytime they see a high heel or anytime someone says the word fuck, again, these are all things that happen a lot. Then you have to turn the vibrator on and until you uh, on until the next time that you see the word fuck, and then you have to turn it off. Like those kind, like you know, really getting using your using your imagination and being inventive. You know, technology is supposed to be invented to for us to use as a tool and a toy, and you know, using it instead of letting it use you. If we did, you know, a safe sex comic reading and then every time, you know, we had our teledeldonic products and every time Tina says, fuck, you know, she can (laughs) turn on our vibrators for us. That'd be so hot. I'd love that. The idea of just kind of um, getting the consent from someone else to give them pleasure um, remotely or, you know, in the same room is something kind of very exciting. So there's a lot of ways to play with that. I want to kind of narrow in on some of the themes that we have been swirling around in this conversation. And I feel like the themes are Black Lives Matter, technology, definitely consent culture, which we haven't talked about too much, but I really want to get into. It's always an important topic. And sex work, which we've definitely addressed. And then sex toys. I feel like communication and wellness are definitely terms that are used a lot when talking about sexual technology. And I feel like there is a place where all of these things intersect. And, and I, I'm hoping that you can help me 
sort of pinpoint it? Like, where do you want to start? I am from Missouri. Uh, I went to mm-hmm. school for a, a few years in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, around the beginning of Black Lives Matter. Uh, and I lived mm. a mile away from Ferguson. So, oh, wow. um, and, it t- and it took me a minute to actually even get involved within Black Lives Matter because I was so afraid and just so not understanding what the hell was going on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Black Lives Matter movement started in digital space to advocate for nonviolent civil disobedience and protest against incidents of police brutality and actually all racially motivated violence against black people. So when you begin to Yay. think about <laughs> racially motivated violence against black people, you truly start to think about how intersectional the fight for black liberation is and how that includes sex, that includes love, that includes communication, that includes wellness, it includes technology, it includes consent. So my work that's coming out soon is focusing on the intersections of sex worker rights movement, Black Lives Matter movement, um, and how there's been this historic intersection of pride, transgender rights, and the Black Lives Matter movement. Because, you know, the horrors have always been shameless about fighting for our rights. And so I I champion that a lot. Mm And so I'd love to read a quote that I had for the Liberation March um, that we put out in the media release and something that I hold very dear to my heart. Historically, Black sex workers have built culture in the area of music, fashion, beauty, sexuality, technology, LGBTQIA rights, and women's Mm. rights. As Black sex workers, we demand the acknowledgement and support for the advancement of our rights and contribution to the culture we navigate every day. Sex workers are thought leaders and futurists. And it is time for community to show up for the world's most marginalized who lead liberation. We are not free until we are all free. And that quote really embodies, you know, your questions of the many intersections of, of the Black Lives Matter movement and sex and, and, and communication and all these things because sex workers absolutely influence, you know, Cardi B and, and Meg Thee Stallion. Cardi B is a known sex worker. The yes. w, you know, wet ass pussy, you know, women against the patriarchy. <laughs> sex workers are the leaders of the world's liberation for sexual freedom. And, and so we just, oh, yes. we, we demand that acknowledgement. And I think for the Black Lives Matter movement, if we speak about the violence and brutality against Black people, we have to discuss sex. And now we have to discuss sex technology, right? We have to discuss these many intersections of how violence is implemented against Black people, specifically in America. What has your experience been of like the past couple of weeks since? Do you say WAP or do you say WAP or do you yeah, just I like say... To say WAP because I feel like it stands for, you know, wet ass pussy. Like it stands for a very specific... <laughs> You know, so I was explaining to someone else, I guess I can just go into it. Yeah. How, you know, the song Wet Ass Pussy embodies, it's about pussy, but it's not necessarily about like a vagina. Like it's kind of like this reclaiming of the femme energy mm. that we have in the, and this, this, this new wave of rap that is this feminist, truly feminist rap. And I don't throw the yeah. word feminist around lightly, but you know, Meg Thee Stallion is evening the playing ground as far as what she demands for her respect, what she demands for her yes. body, what she demands for her sexuality. And we even, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, we have AOC admiring it and saying women against the patriarchy, wet ass pussy, what it means to be a thought leader. (laughs) And so how I felt being a sex worker activist, being a sex technologist, being a black woman 
after this song came out is just extreme pride and honor and and ownership of this song and this conversation um, because I think it's important. This is what I'm fighting for when I mean liberation. I believe that we influence the culture, sex workers, so deeply that song you bump has to probably do with the sex worker. And so I we we deserve for people to show up for our movements like we did with the world's largest sex worker march. You know, you're, you're now showing up in action to say, yeah, I support and acknowledge the contributions that black sex workers make to our culture, specifically in America, every single day. I really like what you were saying about how wet ass pussy is not even necessarily about vaginas. It's kind of more about like the idea of pussy because the song is like so explicit and so aggressive. It kind of like undermines the idea that like penetration is the only way to top or the only way to be like the dominant or the person who is like the more active person in sex. There's this word that I used, circlusion, which is like the sort of idea of like being penetrated as being more active. So instead of the idea of like it like an active penetration and then like passive reception, like circlusion is like, yes, I have a pussy. Yes, I have a hole. I'm going to like fucking eat your body with my with my body and I am wet because I am loving it. I mean, for me, I feel like exactly that's what wet ass pussy, like I said, it's not necessarily for me about a vagina. It's about when we break it down to sex education, a wet ass pussy means I am happy. I am comfortable. Okay. Yeah. When we look at the sex education perspective of what a wet ass pussy means, it, it can it can mean arousal. It can mean mm. excitement. It can mm. mean something that is pleasurable. And so when I see wet ass pussy, I'm going, okay, so they know what they need to bring them mm. pleasure. And so mm. um, a great question that you were going to ask me, and I'll just jump into it, is how can brands do more for social justice movements than send a well-worded email or a well-intended you know, Instagram post is give people pleasure. Give people the mm. reason to have a wet ass pussy. That's exactly what Lilo <laughs> is doing with this conversation by uplifting, you know, a sex technologist and, and uplifting these uh, difficult conversations around Black Lives Matter. Like that is what makes pussy wet. When we talk about how we can continue, um, how do we nurture our loving relationships? How do we care for ourselves? You know, we are not free until we're all free. And a loving relationship and care starts with pleasure and, and, and understanding what you actually need. And guess what? Political needs are needs just like yes. orgasms yes. are needs social and political things are needs and so you know it's important to understand that while words are an important technology word is technology okay words are an important technology to use we must mm. do more we must have more action and so this is a combination of of giving people a reason to have pleasure and you know what brings me pleasure and you know what cardi Money. b and meg the stallion said brings me pleasure <laughs> Money. Money. Okay. Money. Money is a wet ass pussy. And so that is my grand <laughs> my grand roundabout to get to the point. <laughs> that is so that was masterful or mistress mistressful. Thank you, Maestro. Yeah, you know whores. We know how to you know we have a way with words. <laughs> and speaking of technology, have you noticed that I'm getting emails? that are like, we support Black Lives Matter, which is like A for effort, 
but you don't get a cookie unless you do more. But I'm like getting these emails in my like regular inbox from like some cafe that I went to once. And I'm like, why am I getting an email from this cafe? I like never subscribed to them. And I'm and it took me a while to realize that like I probably used like my debit card in like a square app at, at a cafe, like maybe like a couple of years ago. And then it like automatically subscribed me to their newsletter or mailing list or what the fuck ever. And it usually just goes to my spam and gets automatically deleted like after a couple of weeks. But because it says something about Black Lives Matter or says something about coronavirus or COVID-19 in the email, I'm assuming that Google Gmail is like making it so that like nothing that has those keywords is like going to your spam in the way that ordinarily would because there might be and I support this, that there might be like crucial information about these like very vital subjects coming into your inbox and that they like shouldn't be skipping their inbox. But I'm all of a sudden, it's like giving me the opportunity to like realize that I'm like fucking need to like clean my house, you know, my, clean up my digital house. Cause I'm like, ugh, I did not need to know that this like one brand that I like patronized once is like do is like making this like empty gesture and so you know if if they if all of these brands want to google needs to like make give your money to women give your money to whores like uh a keyword that doesn't go to spam and then like i will be very happy to be receiving I think these it's emails an important point to make that you know i speak about upward mobility in three different um contexts social upward mobility financial upward mobility and emotional upward mobility and what's happening mm. is that these companies these brands are using black lives matter to have social upward mobility without actually back the financial upward mobility of the Black Lives Matter movement. And I think that's fundamentally mm. problematic. And so when we speak about brands that are doing performative activism and allyship, mm. who are putting out a post but not putting their money where their, their mouth is, you know, I think, for example, Lilo, they're doing it. They're doing the work because... I mean, you're, you're, you're listening to it right now. Yes, like, you know, this is the work. You're paying a Black woman to come and talk about Black Lives Matter. Like, that is the work. And so when people say they're so confused... I'm like, I don't understand what's confusing. What's confusing is that you are attempting to embed white supremacy within your social movement so deeply that you refuse to give up your upward mobility for someone else to have it. And that's problematic fundamentally. I think that there's also this fallacy that like upward mobility or success is a zero sum game in the sense that if I spread my wealth around in a way that doesn't directly then like boomerang back and like benefit me in a way that is like meaningful to me, then, then, or if I don't share resources, share power, that like there's gonna be less of it for me. And we absolutely see this in late capitalism with the 1% and these like plutocrats hoarding so much wealth in a time that there is so much poverty that affects people in so many different ways. All I'm saying is that like people can like share money, resources, power without actually having to give up anything. But they still refuse to do it because they're so scared because they think they think that they eventually will give up the thing that they're used to, which is white supremacy, which is cishet patriarchal control like it, it can't just be like power it has to be absolute power it can't just be control it has to be absolute control and that obsession with absolute control is like the 
foundation of white supremacy, which is the thing that the Black Lives Matter movement and so many other social movements have been critiquing and fighting for so many decades. And hopefully we are seeing like a huge sea change in how that actually is affecting the world. See y'all, we made it past a whole hour without saying cishet white supremacy patriarchy, okay? (laughs) You know, it's always on my mind. No, you know what I mean? We were it's not, and it's not just jargon, man. I mean something very specific when I say that. Because it, it's uncomfortable, but being uncomfortable means change, you know, and that's what's important to fight for what's right and, and fighting for the love of people. And so, um, you know, I, I fundamentally agree. I do. Can you give me and our listeners some advice on maintaining our wellness, our physical pleasure, our sense of indulgence in 2020, which I don't have to tell anybody is a time of global disruption and unrest because of COVID-19 and also because of this civil rights movement, which is absolutely necessary, but also like incredibly draining and destabilizing for the right reasons, but nevertheless, like can can really like lean to lead to burnout for activists and and of course like so many people are struggling with whether it's better to be in the streets or to stay home and how can they help from their homes and you know people who are at greater risk who want to be in the streets but can't be you know all of these different things like what are some tips for maintaining our wellness our pleasure and our indulgence in this year and the foreseeable future because you know we're trying to think about the future here and this is not gonna change anytime soon for better or for worse one thing i'm understanding deeply about the work that I do, the industry that I navigate, and that is the sex industry, is that pain and pleasure are so deeply intertwined. Ooh, say that shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so when I, you know, I'm because I navigate the, you know, the sex work industry, the kink, BDSM, etc. world, you know, it, it's, it's interesting talking about pain and pleasure. And so right now we're experiencing so much pain we didn't consent to. Most oftentimes we we consent to pain and pleasure, but right now we're having a difficult time having control and consent over how we are experiencing pain and how we are experiencing pleasure. Mm. There is no ethical relationships under capitalism. Shout out to, (laughs) to Rachel Rabbit White. I fucking love her. And one thing I've been learning about myself is that one, I, I, I'm getting a lot more personal in my work. Mm. As of now, my work has been very, I'm a sex noir and I'm going to teach you about sex tech and activism, you know, and it's very just kind of yeah. above board. And I find myself doing more work that I'm sharing more about myself and, and, and how I think and, and why I think so. And, and one thing that I'm experiencing is that we're, we're facing ourselves, looking at ourselves in the mirror more than ever now. You know, we're incredibly isolated mm. in the sense that I do not have the beautiful New York City to distract me from everything. You know, I'm spending <laughs> days by myself. I'm really acknowledging who am I without this beautiful city? You know, who am I without the operas and the parties and, and the conferences and the, and the hangouts and all these things? Who, who really... And the beautiful people. And the beautiful people. And who, who is SX Noir truly? And so as I've been dating during COVID, I've, I've become very close to someone and, and unexpected. And I found 
this love in myself and for myself. Um, and it took me completely slowing down with no distractions um, to find love for myself again, mm. to find what it actually means when I'm not plugged into all these status quo bullshit and, and wearing this and doing that and going here, you know, what is actually love? What centers me? What grounds me? And so I, I've, I've had a new relationship with romance. You know, last night I was, I was with one of my partners and we were stoned off our ass and I, I looked <laughs> up, I, I always go to Trader Joe's and get the big lilies. I love lilies. Mm. And I, I looked up and there's these this drop of li- like li- lily like the the dew from the lily just like hanging down mm. the the middle of the spine and, and I just and I put like I got scissors and I cut it off <laughs> and I brought it to my partner and I said just lick this I said just taste this and we start feeling the petals and licking the flowers and just kind of having this seriously erotic experience that wasn't necessarily explicit but it was just like take a fucking moment to smell the flowers you know take that moment to you say that you love the color red but where do you see it in nature where do you see it reflected in your life you know you say you you have so much love and compassion but where is that rooted and so i think um, the COVID 19 and black lives matter have just truly brought to me the forefront of what my pleasure is um and, and what makes me happy and so when we think about sex technology when we think about sex toys when we think about you know the amazing products that lilo has as far as teledeldonics you know bluetooth technology as far as um, male masturbators um, vibrators we really get to see that there's so many different things that can bring us pleasure and happiness and it's up to us. No one else can to, can identify that, right? And so that that's how my life has, has personally changed and how I've centered myself and my imagination, my relationships and intimacy. And also this happens in digital space. You know, I have partners who aren't in New York City who I'm, who I'm actively communicating with and intimacy looks like being on FaceTime, just, you know, scrolling on Pinterest, sharing space with someone that you care and value with um and that's what we've always pushed the importance of but coronavirus has brought it front and center more than anything else has for a lot of people in a long time so god that flower story is so beautiful i i definitely also am trying to take that really simple view of like enjoying food is one of my like great sensual pleasures and like really trying to slow down and be like how do I crack an egg and like how what is is the way that I have been combining these vegetables and this meat like the actual best way to do it or can I like take a tip and change how I have done things for like the past decade and like when there is a fruit tree just like the fact that I can like take a lemon off a tree and like squeeze it and put it in my drink and then like watch more lemons growing back I am finding it like really erotic and I'm like noticing what plants I find more erotic for the first time and plants are more emotionally dependable than people that is for fucking sure <laughs> retweet agreed I so agree <laughs> And one one last thing that I just want to say about like solo play, when it comes to solo play, by which I mean masturbation, by which I mean self-care, me party time, I feel like whether you live with someone that you have sex with or you have a partner or partners that you can't be physically near right now due to COVID, due, due to travel, due to 
you being polyamorous and you're not actually like able to share a pod. There are like so many different reasons that people like cannot be with the people that they would otherwise be able to have sex with right now. You know, people are really throwing around this phrase now more than ever. And I'm just going to appropriate that and say like masturbation now more than ever. Masturbate now more than ever. And sometimes it is about getting in touch with your erotic self and it's about fantasizing and maybe it's about enjoying porn that you pay for. And maybe it's about like reading erotic books or getting back in touch with like, maybe you have a book of erotic art that you haven't taken down the shelf in a really long time. Or maybe you're just like really turned on by a fucking like drop of dew on a lily or like whatever it is. It can be about getting in touch with erotics, but also I'm a big believer in orgasms for stress relief and just being really like direct about like, this is what this is for masturbation as stress relief. And obviously sex is stress relief, but masturbation is something where you don't have to deal with anybody else's needs. And obviously dealing with people's needs and like thinking about other people's pleasure and like being in service to other people and like caring about other people is 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 wonderful. It's a very important part of humanity, not to put too fine a point on it, and is a really important part of sex with other people. And I think it's also really beneficial to not be caregiving for anybody else when it comes to your sexuality. This has been something that I've been saying for a really long time, but I feel like I've been saying it even more in the past five months. Like, I am like using my vibrator to like flood my body with endorphins because I need a reset. It also kind of forces me to just lay down and close my eyes and like let my imagination run wild, which I think has a lot of benefits as well. But like I'm trying to exercise. I'm trying to have dance parties in the house. But like there is a certain amount of like kinetic energy that I am not getting now that I was getting before COVID. And like, if in the meantime, I can like get my heart rate up and like get my blood flowing, like using a vibrator, I feel like that is a really fucking important part of like holistic wellness right now. So I highly encourage as people are trying to think about their like exercise routines and their meditation routines and their sourdough starters and like all all of their other hobbies that they're getting their animal crossings like it's all good stuff and if you can incorporate masturbation however whatever toys you like to use i mean lilo has insertable toys external toys anal toys cock rings like things that vibrate things that are more about about pressure like toys that can be used with two different bodies, three different bodies, or just one. I just really highly encourage people to incorporate that into their routines. You know, what you come to is incredible insight. If you are super into gangbangs, like you just may be a very compassionate, caring person. Did you just look into my brain? <laughs> you know what I mean? If you were, if you're into massage play, you know, maybe you're craving some intimate touch. There's so many different mm. layers to, to inciting, you know, what gives us that orgasm, what gives us that pleasure. And so, um, you know, I just love the idea of just being in eroticism as far as just letting your mind wander to what brings you pleasure. And so we're staring that in the face now more than ever because we're facing more you know devastation than ever and so when we have pleasure yeah. we're, we we spot it out quicker than we, than we used to I think and what, what you're saying is the fundamental principle behind this podcast that like yes whatever you, exactly whatever you're, into, whatever you're into or when you find out that other people are into something that maybe you've never heard of or maybe 
the initial idea is off-putting to you, there's probably something more fundamental behind something that might seem really like edgy or out there that is something that like is universally relatable. So yeah, people might hear gangbangs and think that it's like very extreme or that it's very violent or that it's very degrading. But like, we're obviously talking about consensual group sex that like manifests in a certain way. And like, yeah, it could be about like, abundance yes (laughs) it could be about like caring for lots of people at once or overstimulation you know these much broader things that actually when you really get down to it are more relatable than you might think honestly like i well i do think the 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 category of gang bang could be reworded i I agree i founded myself watching more of that pornography because i'm like I want a million people to put cocks in me. Like, I'm deprived. You know what I mean? Like, I'm deprived. Like, one is not enough. Two is not enough. I need, like, eight. And so this is another example of how our fantasies aren't necessarily what we're doing in real life. But that's an amazing fantasy right now because we can't touch anybody. So the idea of, like, four or five or six or seven people just giving you pleasure is an incredibly hot idea. And so what we mean by connecting with ourselves and what brings us pleasure is that, you know, many things could because of many different reasons that we're being deprived of right now. So I I love that. I love that so much. Oh my God. Yes. And it's so true. I mean, I've talked about it on this show in the past few months that like the simple act of touching another person or even being within six feet of a person, whether they're a stranger or a loved one is taboo. It became taboo overnight in a really extreme way because it's about, keeping yourself healthy, keeping that person healthy, and also what we owe to each other, like thinking, like caring for the collective body, as Dr. Joe Osmondson says, and like thinking about the collective good, even if you yourself like do not feel that you are at risk or you don't care if you get sick or you think you're immortal or whatever. I bet that there are a lot more people who are fantasizing about gangbangs right now because like all of a sudden this already taboo idea of sex with lots of different people at once and like porn that has like lots of different people in it. You know, we're walking around feeling really constant like vigilance and intensity around distancing, right? Social distancing. And the idea of just like transgressing all of those barriers and crossing all of those barriers and like indulging and just being around like the chaotic energy of like lots of different people indulging in pleasure Mm. is a wonderful fantasy. And, you know, for now, for the most part, needs to be maintained in fantasy unless everyone involved wants to negotiate the terms in which they would like to take the risk of arranging a gangbang. Uh, Of course, fully support that kind of approach as well. I'm just thinking of like, you know, the the last time I think we saw each other, which was at the VW Dome at MoMA PS1. Oh, Spaces, the kink out Spaces event. I'm so glad that that happened because even the name Spaces, like physical spaces, like gathering so many kinky, queer, sex work and pro sex work people together in an art institution to create live erotic art just for that moment has gained a great deal of of resonance that was not intended, you know, even just a month late, because that was in February of 2020. So yeah, I guess that was the last time I saw you in person. I just remember when you just speak about the energy, like the carnal energy of other people, like that's like the last Mm -hmm. memory I have of just like intense love 
and just like I feel everyone around me right and that's just that was our normal weekend you know like as far as uh, being in the sex industry of New York City you know so uh, definitely missing that a lot but but very very blessed and appreciative to be safe healthy happy at home same agreed will you remind people where they can find out more about your work on the internet which is where we all live now my name is SX Noir. That is S and X N O I R. Uh, I am the thought leader of sex technology, and you can find me everywhere on social media at SX Noir. So I am active on Instagram, I'm active on Twitter, and my podcast, Thought Leader Pod, which is streaming now on iTunes. Listen, review, subscribe, send me a DM of what you think. Um, and I have more episodes called Good Pussy, Good Politics coming out very, very soon. Yes, I hope that pussy is wet. What is your favorite line from the song WAP by Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion? Any line that's referring to a man to buy them something to be able to do something is the line I like. So the whole song. (laughs) (laughs) Well, really, the the, the whole song. My, My favorite line is tie me up like I'm surprised. I just feel like that's it's a very it's a very funny and subtle description of like not to be pretentious about it but of like erotic imagination it's like you, we like bondage we like being tied up because we like because it's fun to pretend to be surprised even when you're like bondage is between consenting adults but you you like to have that that fear of your 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 being shocked you're being caught off guard um and bondage can really facilitate that and i feel like you know it's all those things and also just a really funny joke which both megan the stallion and cardi b are extremely talented at i love like you know ask for a car while you ride that dick like exactly you know (laughs) pay my tuition just to kiss me on this wet ass pussy exactly you know like he bought a phone just for pictures of this but you know exactly yes (laughs) exactly exactly that's what that's what brands should be doing that's what boys should be doing let's fucking close this gap man well, SX, it has been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for doing this very special episode sponsored by Lilo. And I wish you wellness and, you know, all the wet ass pussy that you can manage, which I feel like is probably a lot um, or, how you know, however, however much is right for you. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot. I can handle a lot, but, you know, I figured I figured as much. Takes one and one. Exactly. And I can't wait to talk to you again sometime soon. Thank you so much for having me on this amazing episode of Why Are People Into That? (laughs) Thanks so much. (laughs) Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.